All right. That means you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. And uh, we're here with Stephanie, my wife, and Caleb. And um, I'm Trey Cashin. And uh, we're going to start, as we always do, with our prayer. Good morning. Good morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. And St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Amen. And the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, so we we uh, we're just kind of looking back. Kids are almost gone, and uh, kind of went back and looked at some things. And I, it, I thought it would be good to kind of refresh everybody's memory. We've been on the air ten years. That's just crazy. That is crazy. But what's even crazier <laughs> is is kind of the beginning of what ended up being the content of the show was that we um, were asked in two thousand four-ish to uh, do a guide to godly parenting. And and I'm, I'm kind of cracking up because <laughs> if you just do the math, our oldest was not even 10 yet and the triplets were three. So I don't know what the heck we were doing teaching anybody about how to parent. <laughs> but that being said, looking back, the one thing that we did, we always talk about being purposeful, you know, that that's part of the prayer. And I think the one thing that we were able to do was we kind of laid out kind of some guideposts, I think, that that we followed, kind of a, a way to determine how do we handle um, certain situations. And it came from the fact that we had some friends, some good friends of ours, even before we even moved here, they gave us a little cassette tape right before <laughs> us. yourself. Right, exactly. Cassette, <laughs> anybody, cassette tape, look it up. <laughs> They're real, <laughs> but it was a cassette tape that was on um, was a series. Yeah, preparing it was no the, growing kids God's way. Well, it was growing yeah. kids God's way, but I, I anyway it was like the first introductory tape before we even knew what growing kids was that we got from Brian and Christy West. Yeah, and uh, but anyway, so so we started on we started on that, and then we got into growing kids God's way, and. While I know theologically what what you want ultimately is your kids to go to heaven and for us to go to heaven with them, and that's it. But you know what? Real what parents really want is their kids to behave, right? <laughs> and and we thought we thought that growing kids was a good answer. Uh, it was is done by some um, Baptist people, uh, the Ezos. Mm-hmm who really had some good things. But one of the things that we 
recognized, and this was happening about the same time as I was beginning to to study theology at the University of Dallas, we um, we started to realize that like, well, some of their tricks didn't always work the way <laughs> because you got the impression like, okay, if you do this, this, and this in a situation and you do it right, then your kids are going to act this way. Yeah. And I don't know about your your remembrance of that, Stephanie, but... Oh, gosh. Yeah. The, Confessions know, of a legalist? Let's right, just talk about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it was really good in terms of framework. And then I started on my theology and 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 the whole idea of, of the, sacramental, the, the sacramental nature of marriage and therefore parenting coming from that. And again, that's the sacrament of parenthood, so to speak, we turned into the mystery of parenthood, which is where we are, this idea of there's more here than meets the eye. And if if we as a married couple are meant to reflect a number of things, well, one, God and his Trinitarian unity, unity, but also a diversity of people, then how do we reflect that and apply that uh, to our parenting? Um, and we will get down to, to the nuts and bolts because Stephanie's here and she requires that. But <laughs> if we come out of the clouds. Yeah, because he's in the clouds and I'm where the rubber meets the road. Right. And somewhere in the middle is, <laughs> is where it all happens. But but th- so there was that. We're supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. And what does that look like? Christ and his bride, the church, both in terms of our our. Um, our marriage, but also in terms of how uh, uh, the mother, the church, treats her children. And so that's kind of how we went about um, designing purposely kind of a theology of parenthood, but but with with the how does it apply to real life? And one of the things that hit me that started all this was, hey, our kids are not behaving the way they were. And I started thinking, well, sacrament, so God and his children. And then all of a sudden it hit me, well, how many of his kids have really done a good job of obeying him, (laughs) even though they did it? And I said, and then so should we expect in our humanness and in our children's humanness that they would perform any better for us than God's children have for him. <laughs> and it was at that point that it was kind of the, the weight was a little bit lifted off our shoulders, but then it's like, okay, what do you do with that? How does that, how does that move forward? And so I, anyway, I, well, and I think, you know, also what we realized and of course way down the road. And so hopefully what we can be of encouragement to young families, um, young and old as well. I mean, you know, the journey's never over, nope. um, but it, it is a discipleship. I mean, it is a journey. It is a, it's not a, um, it, you know, it, what is that math equation? It, you know, if, if A and B, then C, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good math. That's why I'm a social worker. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're talking, I'm a banker, but I'm not a geometrician. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So it, it's not, um, there's not a formula. Right. <laughs> There's not a formula for this. Well, for a lot of reasons, there's yeah, not a formula. Absolutely. So, so then, so we backed up and said, "I say, what does God want from us?" And we've always we've talked about this before, and we may go back and do it. But He wants our hearts, and therefore, if we're to reflect them, we want our children's hearts first for God, but then for us. And then, how does God operate 
in in this in this world. Number one, he respects he respects us as individuals, as unique and unrepeatable individuals. He holds us to the same standard, but we have different gifts. And so we started saying, well, then that would be very similar as a parent. You're going to have kids who they need to know their dignity. They need to know they're unique and unrepeatable. So they're not like their other, even if you have triplets born a minute apart, (laughs) God knows. (laughs) And so do we, they're completely different, but, but, but if that's how it is, we got to, we got to realize that and adapt our parenting to that while we're revealing to them that they have dignity. So, um, I think that's really the goal is for them to understand, yes, we want you to go to heaven, most important thing, but part of going to heaven is becoming who you were created to be, which is what God wants for us. So how does that look? And one of the things that I learned very quickly in comparing the way the Ezos, uh, and listen, it's been a long time. Ezos were great, had a great impact on us. So there's no, if anything even sounds like something different, then uh, admiration for them, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not. It's always going to be admiration because they, they really pointed us in a direction. They gave us a great foundation. They gave us mm-hmm. a great foundation. But the thing we, we realize is if they're unique and unrepeatable with their own personalities and temperaments and ages, then God doesn't, God treats us the way we need to be treated. And while we're not God, we're meant to reflect God. We have to do the same thing with our children, right? So that's kind of where we based it. We're, we're meant to be assigned to our children as parents of the Trinity. And they're included in that process. And the way that's really how we designed it. Mm-hmm. So and, me and being I, the theology nerd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, but what you always brought me back to, because I, I contend toward legalism, I contend toward um, formula, I contend toward list making, you know, I'm just this really kind of black and white, you know, um, you know, if this, then that kind of kind of person, I can tend toward that. And I think, you know, the most important thing, a mantra, if you will, that, um, that helped me that, that, and how you tendered me in in those situations is, are we doing, are we gaining their heart by doing this? If, 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 you know, if, if what we're doing, you know, how we're intervening or interacting or disciplining or, you know, whatever it was, are we, are we gaining their heart and how, and how do we gain their heart? I mean, it's trust, it's relationship. I mean, how does God gain our heart? You know, it's, 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 commitment, <laughs> trust, <laughs> faithfulness, um, you know. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's, you know, again, it was just, um, it was a biblical way to look at, to look at parenting and. Um, In a sacramental way. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that that's part of, part of the, what, what I saw differently was when we went into growing kids God's way, it's like, how do we make these crazy kids like. <laughs> perform correctly in front of people so that they think we're great parents. You know, I mean, that, that was, that was, I know. if we all are really honest with ourselves, I mean, I, I mean, that, you know, that's kind of what well, you want. You want that because like, you don't want to be embarrassed in church or you don't want to be embarrassed at this party or, you know, I can't believe my kid that, well, I, it's not really my kid. <laughs> I mean, th- those are the things that kind of go through your mind, but that's not the way God 
operates. He, he operates through those failures and shaping and molding us with the intention through his, tr- his faithfulness to us, his love for us, his mercy, at, his mercy <laughs> at getting at our, getting to our heart. And so while it's an easy question to ask and it's, an, and it's easy to have it, it, I think you still have to ask it. It's not always apparent because they're unique and uh, apparent, yeah. <laughs> not apparent, <laughs> but, uh, it's not always apparent, like what's the right thing for the kid. But I think if you keep at the center, we want what God wants, which is that child's heart for God and for us and for his brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what he wants for the church? He wants, he wants it, the each individual's heart for the church, for God, and then for all the people who they run into every day. Right. And then eternity. And then eternity. <laughs> right. Which is where we all get to not worry about the baby. Right. <laughs> we'll all do the right thing all the time. So. Um, so anyway, I, I think that that's that's it. And and this was it's kind of the first time I ever used, I think, discipling our children, because I think it was always disciplining our children. Mm-hmm. And really kind of the mindset changed when, when we said, you know, how do we form our kids conscience? How do we gain their heart? It's by discipling them, not by disciplining them. It's a subtle difference. It's always geared towards we're going to come up alongside somebody. That's what a disciple does. And we're going to guide them through this. So there's discipline involved. So there's discipline involved, <laughs> 100%. But, but we're, we're discipling them. We're trying to make them, we're trying to make disciples of them for Jesus, for his church, for God. And where's that learn best? Well, by God's plan, it's learned best in the family, properly understood. Why do we know that? Because it's the way it's meant to be. I mean, number one, it's meant to be a man and a woman. I, and there's lots of situations that happen that that may not be the case. I think that even if you were, I, I can't speak to it. Thank God I've, we've both stayed alive long enough to see our kids grow up. We've stayed married, all those type of things. But I think even these principles can still be applied if that's not the case. But I think we can all agree in a perfect world, in a perfect setting, the way God, it would be a husband and a wife raising children purposefully. So anyway, um, one of the great things that we did take from them kind of extending extending this uh, idea of kind of taking, well, how does God treat his people and what does he kind of want from us? Uh, we started, we took an idea that was something that the Ezos did, which was this parenting in the funnel. Um, so if you can imagine an inverted funnel, not like, like when you put an oil into your, Car, what, how, do, how do you women use no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it? When you're yeah, trying that's to, how we use our that's right. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Never. Yeah, right. But if you invert a funnel, right, uh, or you go up a funnel, I guess, would maybe, you know, from the, from the where it's entering 
all the, the way up to the small end to the large end. The small You're end really making end. this way more complicated. We're going to need like pictures or something, right? <laughs> so you need some, you I need need some, some visuals. Any coffee around here? But, <laughs> yes. but anyway, from Look the, at a funnel right side up. <laughs> right. And go when from the small ends at the bottom and the larges in large the, the top. Was the, was the idea that they, that they gave and they said that basically the early years are the small funnel. And then as they grow, you're can, if you saw the funnel as the limits you, you put out there, the outside of those funnels is being protection uh, from things that need to be protected. The inside of that funnel, kind of the freedom that grows over time that you're trying to get them. And just from a theological perspective, I'm like, okay, that's the way God, what did God do in the old Testament? He gave, the thou shalt nots, right? <laughs> you know, the the limit setting, uh, even even the you know the idea of the flood is they wanted to remove limits, and when you remove limits, things flood, <laughs> bad things happen <laughs> to show us that limits are a good thing. But then he also, if you look at at the New Testament, it's about freedom. Ultimately, why is freedom? Because the reason we want their heart is the only way they're getting to heaven is not because we decide to get them to heaven or we make a decision for them to get to heaven. Ultimately, that's got to be something that they choose with their own heart. They've got to fall in love with Jesus. They got to fall in love with us. And then they ultimately, obviously Jesus is God. They've got to fall in love with God and live their life within his limits but also recognize that he's made us for freedom as well. And so this, I, I, we just extended this idea of limit setting uh, coupled with growing freedom as they got, as they got older. Right? right. So in other words, when, when you've got, you know, your toddlers, you know, I, I mean, as all young parents know, it seems like it's the years of the no. <laughs> right. right. From them and to them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. But I mean, you know, you are that that's when you start. I mean, their 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 freedom is most constricted at that age. I mean, you are watching them. You're not letting usually not letting them play out in the front yard by themselves. I mean, they're usually in the backyard with a fence, you know, and and, and so but you're moving up that um up that funnel to and teaching them responsibility along the way right. so that, you know, again, as you've, you know, um, pick, painted that picture that as they show that really responsibility, poorly, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. They, that as you, re, as they move up that funnel, you know, the yard, the yard, so to speak, gets larger, you right. know, they, they've got more, more and more freedoms as they show responsibility. And I think that was so key for us because, I just remember so many times, you know, you're kind of rocking and rolling along and everybody's doing pretty well. And, you know, um, you got I mean, this under you, control. Everything's yeah, working. everything. Yeah. You think, you know, this is going pretty well. Everybody kind of knows that, you know, right and wrong. And, and, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it, it really does seem like it comes out of nowhere. Somebody gets an attitude or somebody, you know, tests a limit or what, what have you. And I mean, nine times out of 10, when we would look at what freedoms we were giving these children, it, they had too many. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's like they can't handle it. It's really so interesting. And if you 
kind of so the funnel i guess is what what i'm trying the picture i'm trying to paint is the funnel is not just like a straight up and out kind of picture it's sort of a push me pull me back and forth 10 steps forward you know maybe 5 steps back sometimes that if you look sometimes when a child is not handling the responsibilities well it's because they have too many freedoms and they can't, you know. Um, and those are things that we would, those are things that we would talk about, like mm-hmm. if a kid, because what, what, I think it's one of the best things we ever learned with regard to this. And we're going to get some, some more specifics on it. But when you're having a problem, when it kind of comes out of nowhere, the first question we learned to ask was, have they received any new freedoms, like something that we've allowed them to do that they haven't been allowed to do? And can that can we like look at that and see if that's coupled with not just coincidentally, but probably because of that, do we need to take that freedom back because they, they can't handle it. And so almost every time, if we looked at the issue, that was exactly what the problem was, but we're always, we're moving towards, towards that freedom I mean, we're always, we're trying to do that. Now, listen, when they got older, I literally sat down, I believe with all of them, I don't know, I've slept since then, but I do remember (laughs) sitting down with a piece of paper, which probably would have (laughs) helped earlier today if y'all could see a piece of paper. But but I sat down with them probably around uh, maybe 11, 12, might be 13, something like that, and said, this is how we've designed what we're doing. We're moving towards freedom. So if you want the freedom to do certain things, there are times when we as a parent are going to say, absolutely not, can't do that. But then there are other times we're going to say, well, you have to show the responsibility to do it. And here's why. The day you walk out of this house, that funnel becomes your funnel. It, it, it's not, it's, we're not going to be there to set limits but guess what? Life requires limits. And because life requires limits, you have to be able to set those. Well, how can you set your own limits if you haven't learned how to set them for yourself while you're under this roof? And so you show responsibility. We're going to give you more freedom. You show that you can handle it. We're going to give you more things that we feel comfortable for you to do. And so there's going to be a lot more yeses instead of noes. That's the other issue about if you totally like helicopter parenting or, or tighten down, it's almost always no. And if it's always no, then it's like, yeah, when it's 18, if you, if you parent in a tube <laughs> as opposed to a, through a funnel, what's going to happen is they're going to have this tube that's protected them and made decisions and said no, yes, all the way up and guess what it's they're not going to have any idea when they walk out of how do I deal with the freedom I have when I go to college and guess what mom dad you're not going to be there so we always looked at as we have to prepare them to do it in fact I remember telling them by the time you're a senior in in high school we don't want to be asking you have you done your homework can I see it we don't want to be asking you what time do you need to get up? We don't want to be asking you, have you set your alarm? We don't want to be the one that's doing it because you need to show us right before you go to college that you've generated, learned enough of your responsibility, self-discipline to be able to handle it. Because next year, 
I'm, we're not going to be there. And guess what? We're not going to check on your grades, your homework. We're, there's not going to be progress reports and <laughs> all that kind of stuff that comes our, our way. And so we would say, because you have to become an adult. Guess what? That's what we want you to be, an adult. We want you to be an adult that we like, <laughs> one that we would like to spend time with. In fact, I said, we, we want you to become, we said, we, we want you to become people that we're friends with, that we respect their opinion. Well, that has to happen in this funnel, which is happening in this house. But one day you're going to be outside these walls, outside our limit setting, and you're going to have to embrace your own funnel. Which is really funny. I was just thinking, I wonder if that's, you know, with that having been a discussed goal, all of our kind of family life, you know, sort of always batting this back and forth. I wonder, you know, there were so many people that were just devastated when their kids left the house. And yeah. I always thought, guys, there's something wrong with me. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm a miss them, but I'm oh, yeah. so happy that they're, you know, going off to a college that they want to, or, you know, we had one go dance, you know, for Kilgore. We had one, you know, I mean, it, it was like, yeah, I, there was a, a little, a little pain with the, with the cutting of the cord, but, um, but wow, it was just like, this person is out in the world. How cool is this? You right. Know? And it, yeah. And no, I think, I think, I don't think it helped us yeah, because I, I we started when they were young. I never, I never thought about that, <laughs> but we, we said, we're not ones that are like, Oh, thank God raise, get them out of the house. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not, that's never been anything mm -hmm. that we want. We love our kids. We, <laughs> we, we like them. We do ask them for their opinion on things, especially the older ones, <laughs> but most of them, they're all old. And, and, and you, lots of times they have better advice than I even thought of. So that's what we wanted. And we, so even when they were younger, we're saying our goal is to prepare them to be adults that can operate on their own out in the world and then have chosen Jesus and get, get to heaven. That all goes together. But, but bottom line is I do think since we had that as a stated goal, we want them to be good adults and that we were working towards that, that it was kind of like, okay, here's the next step. Right. Now you got to go get out there and play. You know. So, yeah. So I was just thinking like, you know, so what did that look like in our house? So God is a God of order. And um, I got that gene very well. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. And uh, yeah, people used to laugh that, they wondered if my kids had a uh, Rubbermaid with their name on it and I put them away in it at night. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, but not yet. No, not quite. Um, so it, literally when they were months old, um, I was a huge playpen time advocate. Um, right. And, and this was actually for several reasons. I mean, you know, one for... Yes. And, and I know a lot of people have issue with it because they think oh, you're confining them to this one little space. You're not giving them, you know, creativity. To but do. that's no, why. No, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's I felt like or we felt like, um, no, they're having to make do with what they have in front of them. That That's where their creativity. They don't have access to the entire house and reign of the entire house. Um, and so literally for, for, when, for when they were just even a few months old. They would spend 10 or maybe 15 minutes, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to work up to that. Sometimes it's five minutes because they scream and they hate it, you know, um, of playpen time. This was so wonderful for Miss, you know, 
order. queen of order. Um, Cause that was a time that I knew number one, they were safe. They couldn't get, you know, fingers in sockets or pull down something off a shelf or, and I could go put on a load of laundry, make a bed, you know, I mean, whatever it was that I wanted to, you know, try to do in the house. Um, but it also, again, that was their, that was, that was their funnel at the time. And this went, all the way till they were probably about 15 to 18, probably about the time they could walk. Um, and, you know, it, it went from just laying there and kind of looking around or having a mobile over them or whatever to I would put toys in the corner of each, you know, of each of the corners. And when I would come to get them, they, you know, obviously the toys had been strewn around, played with. We sang a silly little song that we made up and we cleaned up. Actually, it was the Barney song. It was the Barney song. But I, but I made <laughs> but I made my own words. Too. That's right. And I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't sing it. But it had something to do with pick up. <laughs> no, it's actually clean up. Clean, clean up. up. Clean up. Um, and, and I would literally take their little hands and we would put things back like blocks back in a box or, you know, so stacks the, in a corner or there's what's so you've you've kind of set a, a, a an area mm-hmm. you've given them some freedom they're three say three different things you're you're you've expanded their freedom you said you're by yourself in here you can do whatever you want within the confines within the of this mm-hmm. you're safe i'm safe and so you you do that and then you at that stage we were teaching our kids when you take something out you put it back up. Mm-hmm. And so just even the grabbing of the hands is kind of a, it's part of the funnel. I mean, you're, you're helping them understand ultimately what you're doing. The next step on that one is you start singing the cleanup song and they start doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. So they get the dignity of, I'm not having mom help me, but I have this reminder of this song. So that's what, that, that's the way we thought about it. Of course, she's the queen of order. <laughs> But I did know better not better not you know from her that that's what that's what we were teaching them. So so you go from like I said a mobile in a crib to a playpen with some freedoms, and then we would move next to room time. We'd block off the room, and we would say, okay, here's everything you can do. You're going to have room time for. 30 minutes or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, yeah, or whatever. 30 minutes, 45 minutes sometimes. And so we Depends were constantly, we were constantly kind of ex- broadening that and giving them. As they got older, as that they got went older. to outside backyard time, um, you know, but again, the whole, um, you know, flow of things was they, they were on their own. They had the responsibility of, you know, of, of playing and, and, and then cleaning up after, you know. So So. the concept is, you know, life always has limits. I mean, when your first job, it's different than when you're 30 years in the business and you've got more freedom there, you know, when you first have a job, you're clocking in and clocking out. I mean, but you have freedom within that. And so what we were trying to do is deliver to them through all these things, this concept of even when they were younger, that we're keep expanding their freedoms as long as they picked up after themselves, as long as they didn't break things on purpose, you know, as long as they showed that they had the, the ability to handle the freedom in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, you keep going in terms of space that expands till, okay, now you have a car and you can drive to school and back and maybe around town, but you know what, you're not driving to Austin or San Antonio 
because you haven't shown that you can handle this. But it was always, how do we extend the freedom as they grow older? And as they grew older, you tell them, it's your response. Your responsibility dictates to us what freedoms you gain. If, if you show responsibility, you get more freedom. So uh, we, we go through this, the, the, we talked about there's two prohibitive training, which is the kind of the walls of the funnel. We just talked about restrictions like playpen time, room time, geographic <laughs> areas, and certain responsibilities for doing that. Um, others were, I, I love this. I think this is really helpful for young parents is part of the prohibitive is catching the child before the, before wrong behavior is happening. You can see them. Don't let them do it. And just teach them, hey, if you stick your finger <laughs> in this socket, something bad's going to happen. I mean, they're reaching for it. No, can't do that. You're limit setting. And then give them a, their consequences and provide consequences like, okay, if you can't do that, then we're going to pull back. We're going to pull back the freedom to do in your room because you're showing you can't not reach towards a socket or pull this off the, off the shelf or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. We, and interestingly enough, we never had any issues with that. I know there are yes. kids that are climbers and you know, all the things, but I, I, I don't know. We never, we never had any, um, any issues with that. Uh, I think one time I remember coming into um, Trevor's room and, um, and he had, all the drawers out of the, um, he made like a stair step. Right. Um, yeah. And then I realized he saw it on spot. I'm like, that show is so innocent. It was so funny when I was like, where did you learn to do this? And I saw it on the little show he was watching, but yeah. So, um, but I think the other thing, um, you know, that we tried to do in, in terms of, um, you know, even with this at home kind of training, but also when you're going out, you know, like when you're going to the grocery store, when you're going to church is to sort of preemptively strike and talk about what behaviors we're going to do instead of having to be in a situation and say no, you know, and and the things you should not be doing is, um, you know, is to, is to start training what behaviors you expect, Um, you know, and so, you know, for instance, at the grocery store, we are not getting candy every time we go. And that was coached the before. Line. We right. talked about right. it. Right. We didn't wait until they the were throwing way. a fit at the, <laughs> at the, uh, you know, at the checkout. Um, but and and of course, this is you know, th- th- these are all age appropriate. I mean, every kid again, so different when you can you know um, talk and train and 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 that's something parents need to discern between themselves, but. Um, but I love that, you know, that sort of practice, you know, that sort of practice of, of good behaviors and what would you do? It's so fun to ask them those kind of things like, um, and, and that just reminds me of the story of church when they were, then they were a little bit older. Cause I know Trevor was writing at that point. So he was at least six or seven. Um, and we did the 10 commandments at Vermass. Right. And so, and you know, it's like anything just like in, in, you know, the business world, uh, you know. If you're included in the process, you have buy-in. <laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't a biblical principle. It was kind of a, a business principle. I mean, and so if, you know, if you're sitting there with the kids and you have them make the rules, it's amazing. And it's just amazing what they come up with. Like they thought of things that, you know, we, we wouldn't have even thought of. Right. And they carried that little paper with them every time. We and we talked on the way there. Right. You know, right. 
and just little things like this. So you're also grooming them to be successful. So we would talk to them, Hey, you're dressed like we'd go to a wedding or something and they were little, Hey, you're going to be all dressed up. You're going to look so good. I bet you that somebody's going to come up and give you a compliment like, Hey, you look awful nice today. How might you respond to that? And so the, <laughs> they would be able to, they would say, well, thank you. And I said, oh, you know, what would even be a better answer? You know, well, thank you. Well, you look very nice too. <laughs> and so you would kind of coach them through it before it happened. Sometimes it didn't happen, but oftentimes it did. They were already there. Sign language is another great one oh, because there's nothing, I, I, we've refused to say, tell the kid to say, or have you said thank you? You know, to allow them the dignity, we would stand behind and we'd signed. So we would use the thank you sign and they knew that's what thank you is. So if they weren't saying it, they could get all the glory. It's kind of like <laughs> what happens. God gives it. It actually honors your parents because people say, wow, if the kid knew to say thank you. And it's a graced moment because you're actually giving them something that helps them be what they ought to be. Mm-hmm. And so you're, so that and thank you. And we actually started with sign language very, very early. Very I can't early. remember where we read that. Um, that it, I, I just remember reading something about how kids um, really understand and comprehend way earlier than we give them credit for. They just don't have the language skills. So, you so that's why you get the fits and the, you know. And so, yeah, so from very little, I mean, I think our youngest signed at eight months old. I think Madison signed at eight months old. And I'm very simple. I mean, guys, I'm talking more, please, thank you, eat. eat. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was like caveman sign language, you know? <laughs> but so that if, they were getting fr- if they were getting frustrated, even though they couldn't, they kind of could understand us, which I, they understand you a lot earlier than you think. Mm-hmm. I remember when they would start, like, you can could, you could tell when Vesuvius is going to blow, right? <laughs> I mean, with their... When they're when they're about to go to say okay you can you tell me something are you hungry or whatever then show and then they learned that they have that dignity of I can communicate something to them and they'll actually listen to me and if appropriate they'll handle it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so um, I think those are good we used to always I think the as those may have said and I think it's really good you want to try and this is really hard. But you want to try to say yes or good job or that a boy, that a girl more times than you correct them. So how do you do that? You do some of the things we're talking about, like where you coach and counsel them and then they do it and you catch them doing the good. You you acknowledge you it. acknowledge it mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. and let them know. So there was purpose behind that. So if they did exactly what we said, we don't say well, you did a great job doing what I told you. It was <laughs> awesome job. I mean, you you were very respectful. Awesome, and so that was that was it. Um, then you know, those there those the consequences that happen the natural and structured. You know, when they're younger, they maybe have to be more structured. But obviously, if they touch something, but sometimes natural consequences, and that's the part of moving towards freedom. Because if because when you have limits and they cross a barrier using their freedom, then lots of times there's going to be natural consequences. We as parents many times want to protect them from the natural consequence, right? I mean, and many times we should, if they're about to touch a 
hot fire, stove, hot yeah. stove, <laughs> yes. or they're about to Please. run down the street. Please don't let them have don't, that natural consequence. Don't let consequence. them have that natural consequence. <laughs> but sometimes you have to look at the natural consequence and say, okay, how bad could this be? It might be okay for them to actually experience that, <laughs> particularly as they get older, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you've got to monitor it. So you're actively thinking through and as a couple talking about, can we allow them to make this choice or if they do this is the natural consequence if not then you structure a consequence so that's so funny that you're talking about this because i was just with our daughter who's 26 almost 26 yeah um yeah i'm losing everybody's age including my own um well, you're not pa- losing your mind <laughs> <laughs> well that's debatable but uh this past weekend and um i don't even know how we got on this subject of um of of natural consequences and and freedoms and responsibilities but we were actually talking about it and she still remembers when she turned 18 you remember some friends were going to see an R-rated movie and she came to us and was like you know I've looked this up it doesn't look like a good movie but everybody's going and we're like Madison you're 18 you have to you, make you, you need to make this decision and she said well no just tell me I can't go and we're like, no, you tell them you don't want to go. <laughs> and right. she's, you know, so we battled, but this back and forth. And so she went and she still is like, came home. Well, you know, worst decision ever. I should have not gone. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> but she, you know, like almost 10 years later, she's still remembering that. Uh, and, that, that and that's part of like, and that was a natural consequence. Like you said, that it was like, I wouldn't looked it up. It were was we not, happy about like, that? No, no but, but it was not going to cause yeah, it was not gonna, major damage exactly. to an 18 year old. But, exactly. but I think the point is, is there's a point at which you have to say, listen, you can come to me for guidance and direction but ultimately, it's your choice. Now, that happens at a much older age. That's not. The, I don't think that's something yeah. you say yeah, to a ten-year-old <laughs> or a two-year-old, uh, even to a fifteen or sixteen-year-old. In yeah. certain it's settings, it's, yeah. you just say no. So no's fine. <laughs> We're not saying no's no's fine. fine. And and you know no no is Ooh. fine. And but with the moral reason why. Right. And that was one. Of, I think one of the things that we really try. I mean, just from even when they were a very very. Uh, from a very young age, like, you know, walking by a public place and there were beautiful flowers and they wanted to pick flowers. Well, no, we're not going to pick flowers. Well, why? Because they're here for everyone to enjoy. And if everyone passes by and picks one or two flowers, they're not going to be here. There's for not going to be any, you know, there's not going to, there's not going to be the, this beauty that, you know, that's here for everybody to enjoy. So just giving them, um, you know, some moral reason why, and you know what, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what the reason is, but you just know that it's the right thing. And it's okay to say, you know what? I need to think about it. But I- I'm just telling you right now, the answer is no. And, but we'll, I'm going to think about this and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> right. And so there, you know, I, I think I always felt like I had to have the answer on the spot. I'm the parent. I should know it all. But no. so part, so part of, so <laughs> God does, but of, we don't. <laughs> part of giving the, the, the moral reason why is, like I said, as part of giving them freedom, you have to give them access to the way you think <laughs> you you have to be open. You don't just say no, you explain why, or you, you have to do this. And here's why you need to let them into your head <laughs> and into your heart so that they can take it. Because what you want is, 
you know, what I wanted was if it was a good, <laughs> if it was something good about myself, that I wanted them to have access to it so that they could take that with them and it would be built into, make it their own, but that they would at least know, well, this is the way dad would have thought, or this is the way mom would think. It wasn't just no and them trying to figure out, well, why? Because if you do that and you ever ask them, they're going to come up with something way off target <laughs> as to why, you know, why are you getting punished uh, for throwing baseball? Well, because I broke something. I said, no, because I, you, you, you offended me because I have told you <laughs> don't throw a baseball in the house. And you knew that that was it. And the reason that we do it is what we don't is because things will get broken. And I explained that to you. And you did it anyway. So you broke the relationship more than you broke the vase. That's more important to me than the vase. And that, and again, those are things that you have to, you have to actually work with them on. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think the funny thing is, is that, so over time there was so much discussion back and forth. Now, obviously if they're challenging you, that's, that's a, a no, whole different, you that's know. a limit. That's a not handling freedom properly. Right. Right. And, and we actually had that issue with, with one of them and, and I'll never forget. And it was totally a Holy spirit moment when um, she was kind of going through her why stage, which, you know, so cute. But then I realized, you know what? I, she's challenging me. Like she's not asking me why, because she's curious. She's asking me why, because she, she like is needing an answer for me or yeah, what I, it just, it, it was just the, a feeling I got as a parent. And so, you know, I told her, I said, you know, sweetheart, I, you may ask me why, but when I ask you to do something, you're going to answer. Yes, mom, may I ask why? And it was this little, that Sweet. little twist, that little turn of her having to acknowledge my authority. Yes, mom. And then in humility, ask, may I ask why? Changed our whole little interaction. Of course, about that time, yeah. it's like, you know, from the heavens, I hear, wow, did you just hear yourself? When I ask you to do something, could you just say, yes, God, may I ask why? <laughs> I mean, you know, right. so it's like, it's such an interesting well, that's part, that's know, part of the, dynamic to be, you know, the, the horizontal and the vertical. <laughs> but that, that's exactly, the, that is exactly why, so we're meant to try to be assigned to our children of... God, right? And in doing so, we get some human experience of what it's like to be God, to be let down, to have somebody lie to you, to not do it all that they want. You still love them. That's when you get actually a sense of God doesn't disown you. It's like, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I love you. You could do better than this. So you learn something about God. But also, I think there's plenty of times in both of our lives where we've said something and and there's definitely was a Holy Spirit moment that was like, would you listen to like what you're saying? Because what you're, the advice you're giving to your children is the advice that you're exactly not taking from me. And, and that's part of the mystery of parenthood because we are parented through our parenting. We really are. We're parented by God through our parenting because we get just a glimpse of some of the things that we only in our humanity and we can't experience the fullness of who God is, but we get glimpses of things that we know just because I love you no matter what, doesn't matter what you do. I love you. 
there's not many people in your life that that's that's the way it is. But when you have a child, you learn very quickly. At least I did. There's really nothing you could do that would make me stop loving you. I will love you for the rest of your life, no matter what. But <laughs> I can be sad. You know, I can be offended. We can have broken relationship. We can have broken relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all those type of things that happen, and that is a great symbol for us of learning God's relationship with us personally and with his children as a whole. That's why I think it's so important to kind of grasp this idea of the sacramental nature of marriage and of parenting, the mystery, right? Mm -hmm. Mysterion and sacramentum, you know, mysterion is Greek translated in Latin sacramentum. Right. Mystery is kind of this invisible reality that's going on as we parent that is happening to us as we attempt to try to help our children manage through this funnel. And I think also that, you know, and we've mentioned this so many times before, I'm sure it can go unsaid, but just just um, to, you know, to remind myself um, is that it's okay to have mishandled something. I mean, we all make those mistakes and to ask your children for forgiveness does not undermine your authority. It establishes such a strong relationship between you and your child um, to show them what it looks like to not only give mercy, but to ask for mercy. A hundred percent. And and, I, and and I've told the kids this. I said, if I've ever done anything good, that is my feeble but decent reflection of who God is and how he operates. If I, if, if I do something and mishandle something that requires your forgiveness, I'm acting like Trey Cashin at that moment. So I want you to know that that's me not being who God intends me to be as your dad and to say that. And we, we can kind of end with, with that idea because I do know if you will ask for forgiveness, not be afraid to say, I really mishandled that. I really did. Name it and claim it. This is exactly what I did. My kids will often, even today when I apologize, will say it's okay. And I say, no, it's not okay. Don't say it's okay because this is what I did. And I will say it. And that offended your dignity, offended whatever. I did not handle that. Will you please forgive me? So the appropriate answer is not, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Please forgive me. And so our kids have grown up knowing that we're going to say, I forgive you because that's the language of the church as well. Mm -hmm. But what I know is freedom. The kids, when you've freely shown that we've had at least, we've had multiple, but one that I can remember in particular where a kid had gotten away with something we would never have been caught ever have been caught. And at about 12, 13 years old came in and confessed freely in tears he would never have been caught. He was not supposed to go to the store. He was supposed to stay in a certain area at 13 years old. And he snuck off and got some candy, came back. Nobody had any idea. But he came to our bedroom in tears and we're like, what's the matter? And he said, I, I lied to you. I wouldn't do it. This is a 13-year-old. And so that's because I think we showed them when we make mistakes, we got to be man enough to do it. And they'll do it a lot more quickly if they've grown up that way. But anyway. All right. So we are going to have our memory verse for the week. It is from Hebrews twelve eleven, 
and it is, of course, any discipline is at the time a matter for grief, not joy, but later in those who have undergone it bears fruit in peace and uprightness. Hebrews twelve eleven. So remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he always does. Every time. God bless you guys. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. We're praying for you. Have a great week.